Hey, welcome in. Stink of Truth Podcast alongside uh, my co-host, Mike Evans. I am Mark Schler with Millennial Bim producing the show. want to thank our presenting sponsor, great folks over at Bet Rivers. Bet with a winner, bet with Bet Rivers. Download the app. Check them out at betrivers.com. Uh, Mike, how are you, buddy? I am doing well. What a what a week it was, huh? We, we got the kickoff to preseason games, but the big story continues to be Deshaun Watson. And, boy, what did you make of the... He didn't hold back right. words used by Roger Goodell in talking about Deshaun Watson. And are, are we looking at a full year suspension for Watson? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's – obviously the NFL has said they wanted that. And you go back to the ruling by uh, Judge uh, Sue L. Robinson, and she eviscerated him in the ruling. She called him a predator, uh, which Roger Goodell um, echoed or, or at least referenced. Um I mean, she didn't hold back either, and yet the punishment didn't seem to fit the crime. But one thing, you know, having talked to a bunch of former general managers and a bunch of people within the league, you know, they all said essentially the same thing, is that that the league is one of those leagues or or judges love precedent, and the league had set a precedent before for, for quote-unquote, nonviolent you know, nonviolent. I don't know how you go nonviolent acts of aggression or nonviolent sexual misconduct or non like it, it. It that seems incongruent to me, but but whatever. So nonviolent acts, and you go back to Ben Roethlisberger, who was fined, I think, six games. I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott was fined six games. So the judge essentially just torched, just I mean, absolutely incriminated him in every way, shape, and form you could. Like I said, called him a predator and then gave a six-game suspension. The league was really pushing for a year-long suspension. They don't want him to play this year. They want some serious punishment. Now, just yesterday, Deshaun Watson came out and said his camp said he would accept an eight-game suspension and a $5 million fine. So that's what he came out with as kind of almost preemptive because obviously the league appealed, Um and, and, you know, they appealed back to Roger Goodell or a designee of Roger Goodell. And, you know, the, the designee is going to be in lockstep with what Roger wants. So will there be a negotiation? Will they want to stay out of court? You know, will they want to say, okay, we've got this, let's do it and let's move on? One thing about the NFL, you're not going to run them out of money. And the other thing... As I remember, and this is off the top of my head, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but as I remember, when Tom Brady served the deflate gate suspension, and remember the judge came out in that ruling and said, hey, there is no evidence that there was any tampering of these footballs. There's no evidence that that anything other than weather caused the the, the balls, you know, the, the, the balls to deflate somewhat. Um, so there's no evidence, and yet, and the NFL still pursued it, and I think it was a year later when Brady served his four-game suspension. So, you know, if they give a year-long suspension, there can be a lawsuit. Deshaun Watson literally could play this year as that lawsuit finds its way through court, and, you know, and it, and he could start serving or, or that lawsuit could get settled and, and, you know, whatever punishment is doled out could be the following year. I think they just want him gone for this year, um, they don't want to deal with the, you know, they just don't want to deal with the critics and everything else. But that leaves a big chasm there between Deshaun Watson, I'll accept eight games. Right. 
the NFL wanting a full year, you're talking about a nine-game difference that needs to be made up somehow. I don't see that happening. Right. So someone's either going to have to well, give remember, or sue. Right. Remember now, it was there was no there was no punitive like there was no financial um, there was no financial penalty involved in Sue L. Robinson's decision. So what he's saying is, I'll give you two more games and five million dollars. I just want to play this year. And so, yeah, but if you're at the NFL, isn't that right away? The fact that you're willing to accept this, we're going to acquiesce to you. Right. I, there's no right. way. And and again, there's no way. No, I I just think if the if the NFL is willing, um, I, my, I was talking to my buddy Trey, Trey Wingo, and he was talking about The Godfather, and and it's been so long since I've seen any parts of those movies, but he said. Uh, you know, there was a, the, the line in there or something about going to the mattress, you know, or whatever. Like, the NFL's willing to go to the mattress. Like, they're going all I, – I just don't see them acquiescing to what they want. Uh, and so I feel like I feel like you're not going to see Deshaun Watson play this year. Here, here's the other thing I would ask you. And I know it's, I know it's the Players Association. They're not, they're not saying what he's done is right or they're not, they're not you know, saying, hey, man, we – we uh, we don't we believe Deshaun Watson, and we don't believe um, the accusers or the victims or whatever you want to say. It's not that it's it's their responsibility to try to defend the player and and um, mitigate as much time away from the game as possible. That's that's their job. They're trying to do that. I just wonder at what point Deshaun Watson's camp will step up. Like to me, you want to start the process of of healing and and becoming a, you know, reclamation project and you want to start that process. The more you can just accept responsibility because there's not been there has not been one and I think this is one of the things that really pisses Roger Goodell off more than anything else. There it does not feel like there's been one second of contrition. Like if you would just say I'm not admitting guilt, but man, the way things went down, I really feel bad about it. You know, looking back on it, you know, I made some really bad decisions, and and yeah, like just he's been lawyered up from day one. Yeah, and, it and he's just, never let that kind of that that right that lawyer up facade kind of drop a little bit and show a little contrition, humanity. Right. Do, do you think though, by the way, of of coming out and saying, "Hey, we'll take eight games and five million dollars suspension," is a way of saying, "Yeah, I'm guilty, but I just want to play again." Ooh, no! I think that's just speaking solely from the standpoint that I know the NFL wants to, you know, bang me for a year, and right. here's what I'm willing to take as a suitable punishment. But if I don't want to sit out for a full year. If you're the NFL and you want you want this story to go away as fast as possible, right? You want to focus on that opening kickoff, that Thursday night. You know, then the games on September. Yeah, I don't 11th. think this is uh, them wanting to make it. I think they want to make a statement. I do too. I think they want to make a loud right. statement. I do. I do too. So I think that that I think that that settlement proposal from Deshaun Watson's camp is a way of saying we want to move on as quickly as possible. And I think the NFL is is like moving on and and having it go dark or quiet is not important is not as important to us as making a freaking loud statement yeah, yeah. kicking the door in and saying we won't put up with this bs from any anybody 
So now, with that said, I mean, Pot, let me introduce you to Kettle. Oh, I know. Right? Because there's a lot of ownership issues out there, like, that uh, that weren't really fully addressed. Uh, Robert Kraft. Yep. You know, there's a lot that, so there's a lot of this. It's just a Daniel tricky. Daniel Snyder continues yeah. to just befuddle me. Yeah. This guy just is, come on, he's dirty. Right, couldn't be more smarmy. So is it is it just that they're so afraid he knows where all the bodies are buried that they just don't want to go after him? I, It makes no sense to me. Right. Because the double standard, you're right, is just up there in neon lights. Yeah, and that's, and that's part of the, I think that's part of the Players Association gripe in in this it's and fair. it should be it's right fair. it yeah. should be because i don't mr it wasn't like mr Kraft was suspended he i mean i know he had to pay a fine but it wasn't like you know it wasn't like uh and, and and the whole thing was the whole thing has always been hey we as organizations as ownership and as organizations should be as the, the quote unquote adults in the room and coaches should be held to a higher standard. Well, it, it put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, if Roger Goodell's job is to protect the shield, the shield, that that goes to the owners as well. And mm-hmm. you're right. I can understand why the players in this case do feel a double standard. But right. that doesn't – that that's the overall umbrella argument. But when okay, you're how just many talk, games? But when how you're just talking about Deshaun Watson. You? Okay, just let's put Deshaun, it up. Deshaun how much how many, will he end up with? Right, how many it's games? all said and done. Yeah. Uh, I think when it's all said and done, we will see. He will play. I think he's going to get – 12. 12 games plus a $10 million fine. Hmm. Well, I didn't even think about that. There'll fine. be a fine, too. Yeah, I was going to go 12 games. I, I like your, I like your, I, I like your, I, I, I'll go, I'll go, they'll stick with the $5 million fine and go 12 games. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. They're starting to play games, preseason mm-hmm. games. We saw New England and the Giants play. Fascinating uh, two teams, huge fan followings. Let's start with the Giants. Is this the season that they start to regain their footing and start to kind of they've, – they've bottomed out and now they're starting to, to bounce back? That's, that's a really interesting question because I think that, one, you know, it's funny. You watch the highlights of that game and it's all Daniel Jones under pressure, right? Like they're, they're, the highlights aren't high, – they're lowlights. Uh, for the most part. Um, and so I was looking at, I think it was, they put a graphic up this morning on ESPN, how many hits per game quarterbacks take. Lamar Jackson takes 14.1 hits per game. Now he's running the ball a lot. Daniel Jones takes 11 a game. Or pocket guy. Or pocket guy. Um, and, you know, their offensive line was a shambles. Here's what I like. There's going to be a direction. Under Brian Dable, there will be a direction, and it may take a year. But he is going to, and, and I don't know what the decision will be on Daniel Jones. I, I don't know, like, do you think he's got a much higher ceiling? Do you think he could be, you know, it, is he a reclamation project? Um, do you think he's got what it takes to, to lead a football team? All these questions. So one thing that Brian Dable did in Buffalo with Josh Allen was to create an offense basically not on you fit into my system, let me adjust my system to fit you. And we saw that progression. Because remember, Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen that we see now in year one and year two. 
He was like mean, he was he was a there was a question mark. He was raw. Raw. Very. So I think they've got the right guy heading up the program. Then it's just a matter of how quickly they develop. And it's really hard to develop, Mike, when up front, man, you can't protect people. It's really hard to develop. And so there is there is an identity aspect that has to be built and that takes time. And you've got to and that's gonna take turnover on your roster. They already started the process, but you can't turn your roster over in one season. Now, when you're a bad team, let me say say that if you're a really good team, you can make a couple of additions and subtractions that take you from, hey, we're a playoff team or playoff to hey, we're a Super Bowl team. You can make a few changes that do that. When you're a really bad team, that's a two, three year process. Because you got to get rid of some of the turds. But both as physical, you know, lack of physicality and lack of, of ability and just attitude. Like you, you know, like everybody talks about changing the culture of an organization and it's easy to talk about, right? It's like the idea is, is easy in practicum. It's really hard. It's really hard to change the culture of an organization, especially, you know, in, in one off season. Meanwhile, the Patriots, Mac Jones didn't play. Uh-huh. But we saw Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Patricia, a former defensive guy. Joe Judge, a special teams background. Mm-hmm. Splitting offensive play calling duties. Hey, I know there's a healthy element out there of in Bill We Trust. But what the heck is Belichick doing? Yeah, that one, that one just feels really weird to me and they're you know they're trying to figure out obviously who's going to do it you've got to understand that Matt Patricia now first off Matt Patricia is a rocket scientist from some small school who played offensive line and when he came to the Patriots he was an offensive line assistant coach under I think Dante Scarnecchia and then he went to the defensive side of the ball as Bill Belichick makes all his coaches do learn the other side of the ball and he became a defense coordinator and a head coach and now he's back to the offensive side. So, you know, from a just an understanding of football standpoint, that guy really understands. Like, here's the beauty of doing that. And and, and the same thing with uh, Josh McDaniels back in the day. They did the same thing with Josh, right? Um, you know, defensive guy that moved to the offensive side of the football. But the beauty of that is you know the weakness of your opponent. You know the weakness of each defense. You know the weakness of each front. You know the weakness. Like, you know it. You know it firsthand. Hey man, if we're in this front, this is where we're really vulnerable. Hey, if we're if we're playing this coverage, this is where you can attack that coverage. This is a, so from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I've always said this, you know, through my own career as a as a small college football player. I I came in as an offensive player, I moved to the defensive side, and I started for three years as a defensive player. And I just kept having injury after injury, and I moved back to the offensive side of the ball. Well, as an offensive player that played defense for three years, I had a better understanding of when I'd see a front that wasn't right or I'd see a guy that that is not in the spot where he should be in, you could just instantly go, it may be six inches, Mike, maybe a foot. You're like, ah, it doesn't smell right. Here comes, you know, here comes safety rotation. They're going to get into eight-man front. Here comes this blitz, whatever it is. And, um, you know, we used to have this saying, two asses don't fit through one hole. And 
like when guys move to make sure they make room for other guys. And when you have a sense of what they're doing on the defensive side of the ball, it really makes you just an overall, it makes you a better, more aware football player or football coach for that matter. So uh, it's an interesting experiment. I'm looking forward to seeing how it works, uh, but it is uh, it, it does have a, a certain level of um, Globo Gym-esque right aspect. like we're smarter than you we're better than you and we know it you know they they just they just feel a level of of arrogance like we're football. the smartest guys in the room yes right we you and i got a chance to watch denver and dallas go through uh, a joint practice together mm-hmm. and it was it was a a terrific environment here in denver you had a big crowd Tons of Bronco fans, Cowboy fans. You had uh, Hall of Fame players all over the place just there to hang out and watch from John Elway to Peyton Manning to uh, Terrell Davis, a bunch of NFL guys there. Um, and it was really a, a charged atmosphere. We got to watch the the ones go against each other on two fields at the same time. And I came away with a real appreciation for what you can accomplish in those kind of settings to the point where are they better to get a team ready for a season than these exhibitions that are the preseason games? Oh yeah, I think I think from the standpoint of the level of competition and the level of control of that competition that you have um I think those things are tremendous. And the other thing, the other thing Mike, I think that's that's interesting about practice uh like to me, practice, and this is going to sound interesting. The practice is practice is harder than the games. And okay, yeah, and, and, and I'm the, curious. Okay, the reason the reason is because in practice, like I'll, I'll take it from an offensive perspective. In practice, I'm not executing a game plan, right? I'm not I'm not saying, hey, we're going to set this up. They run like they like to run this coverage versus this. Uh, versus this formation or they like to run this front versus this look right so if we get into to to strong right they always give us a a under front you know they always give us a 25 front and so we're going to attack the bubble or whatever you like whatever your game planning stuff is and then off of that we're going to run the boot keep game and like in practice you're just running plays so you're not necessarily stacking plays one on top of another to exploit something you're just running your plays. And when you're just running your plays, you're going from play to play. You're not actually setting people up. And so for me as a player, I can set you up. If we've gone through a couple of different runs and now we get a five-step drop, but I know the five-step drop that we're going to run is the ball's going to be out quick. All of a sudden I got and come off the ball and hit you. You're defending the run. We just ran it three times. Right. And then you're like, oh, shoot. In practice, you you don't have that same the the flow isn't there, because one minute you're running one thing, one minute you're running the next thing, the next thing you're in one minute you're in the red zone, the next minute you're in you know uh, first and ten situation. You're you're playing situational, and then you're just calling plays. So I think practice is is harder. And if you can be good in that situation, if you can be good in those, then then I think I think you come away with some confidence and you feel like well. 
the games will be easy compared to what we just did. And I think that's what we saw in that scrimmage. So watching Dallas yesterday, 12-5 and five a year ago, won the division, mm-hmm. loaded with talent, playmakers yeah. all over the place. And yet I just don't – I don't trust them. I, I have a hard time putting Dallas up there mm-hmm. among the clear teams to beat in the NFC, I just—I I don't know. Something just feels like it's yeah lacking, and well, and maybe it's their past. Right? Should they be bogged down by well, their past? Should it, they be dogged it, by right. it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we just talked about culture of an organization, right? Changing the culture of an organization, and if you're, ch- you know, I I say the same thing about the Chargers, and people get pissed at me because there's so much talent in the Chargers, and the Chargers got a young quarterback. And blah, blah, blah. Like until you learn how to win those games that you consistently piss away. I mean, there's four games that you should win that you just you're just going to drop because you're the Chargers. That's, Chargers going to charge right. And the same thing, I would say the same thing about the Cowboys. The other thing is the history of the NFC East. There hasn't been a back-to-back champion since like the 2004 Eagles. Every year somebody wins that division, the next year somebody else wins it. So um, I, it'll be it'll be interesting. They are talented. They have been a team that's been built on a dominant offensive line. That's not so that that's not the case anymore. Um, and you know, and in, in the scrimmage yesterday, the Broncos. I mean, it looked like they set the tone on the defensive side of the ball. Now, C.D. Lamb was had a day, and and Dak and C.D. Lamb looked like they they were in sync. But the rest of it, the rest of it looked muddled at best. Mm-hmm. Just looked muddled at best, and so. Yeah, I, th- I thought uh, I thought the work was great. I thought the intensity of the of the scrimmage was great. Um, you're right, though. I just there's something about the Cowboys. I, I like. I think they're a good team. I don't think there's any question that they're a good team, and they're a talented team, like you mentioned. But I think when you start looking at the upper echelon of, of the teams in the NFC, so you're looking at the Rams, right? That's an upper echelon team, uh, defending Super Bowl champions. You're looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're looking at the uh, the Green Bay Packers. Um, those would be kind of your elite NFC teams. Am I missing somebody in that in that kind of elite group of teams? So you got Rams, Tampa, Green Bay, Green Bay. Yeah, I, I don't I know who a, else you can put. Every, then it's, then it's then the, then the next the, tier. The next tier. Yeah, and, and, Dallas, and Dallas is right is at the top. That. Right yeah. at the top of that next tier. And, yeah, yeah. next tier. There's no question. Yeah. Dallas is in that tier. There's you know. I mean, you could argue because San Francisco's changed the quarterback position. Are they there? Or are they right. not there? We'll, to be determined. Yeah, to, to be determined. Yeah, but 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 yeah, they're in that next tier underneath the kind of elite NFC. Team. Speaking of Tampa, uh, Tom Brady taking a uh, personal leave couple, of absence yeah. for a couple of weeks. Um, don't want to get in here to to speculate what's up. Yeah, but just that's unusual, right? Right. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be something that's that's. Serious. So how, let's just stay with the, the football part of it because we don't want to get into the, the the personal stuff. But um, how does that affect Brady and his readiness for the season? How does it affect Tampa and their readiness for the season? Two weeks right here in the middle of camp. Right. It's um. It obviously isn't. It's not ideal. Obviously, and Brady is one of those guys like like you and I got to witness Peyton Manning's career at the end of the career here in Denver for four glorious seasons. And um, we got to witness how professional quarterbacks do it, mm-hmm. like real professional quarterbacks. Tom Brady is a rep hog. 
Tom Brady wants every rep. Tom Brady understands um, that you just don't magically mix a potion and, and you're together. He understands the process, and he's a stickler on it, on how it works. So, like, this is not something that for, for Brady he would ever, like, just like, it's not cavalier. Like, I, I just need some time away. That's not That's not who he is. That's not the process. Now, the good news is they've been together for two seasons. So, and he and, you know, Byron Leftwich have been together for two seasons, the offensive coordinator. Um, he and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. But now, remember, Chris Godwin's coming back off an ACL, and and they just signed Julio Jones, and they've got some other they've got some other pieces there. Um, you know, they lost their inside guys. Uh, Ryan Jensen's down with a knee injury. Looks like he's going to be out for a long time during the course of the season. Uh, Ali Marpet retired. They're starting left guard, uh, starting right guard. Alex Kappa went to uh, the the Cincinnati Bengals, I believe, as a free agent. So you got a you got a lot of you got a lot of things there that are going on. So certainly not ideal, but Brady has set a standard and a tone there. And having done a bunch of Tampa games the first year, I think I did five Tampa games the first year Brady was there, four or five. And watching or listening to guys like Mike Evans, guys like Chris Godwin, guys that play on that offensive side of the ball, uh, guys like Leonard Fournette saying, what Brady, the, the standard, the level that he has brought, like we thought that we were doing things, like we thought we were working, we thought we were preparing, we thought we were studying, we thought we were praising the Lord. Like he has raised the level. And they they all, every one of them to a man was just like, this is awesome. So it, it sounds like it's a switch that can be flipped when he does come back with, let's say, a week, week and a half to go before the season right. starts. So maybe this actually is a good thing for Tampa. Because it it will give you a chance to give Kyle Traska mm-hmm. a good look and see what you got when it comes to you know your young quarterbacks. Because hey, Brady was if if the reports are true, Brady was ready to be the quarterback slash owner of the Miami Dolphins this year. Right, he's negotiating ten year, three hundred and seventy five million dollar TV contracts with Fox. The the. The hourglass is 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 ready to come empty there when it comes to his NFL career in Tampa. So, use this as an opportunity to see what you got in reserve. Yeah, I for mean, two weeks. For two weeks. Yeah, for two weeks. Um, I'm telling you, but a lot of lot of turnover there. I still, I think ultimately he comes back, and one, the division is ripe for the picking. Oh, Although yeah. I do think the Saints are a better football team than than. Like, I just think that they're a better football team than people give them credit. You know, I think Dennis Allen will be fine. Um, yeah, Jameis Winston is Jameis Winston. Scares me a little bit, but the guys love him. Defensively, they're outstanding. And, you know, talking to Sean Payton, the former head coach of the, the New Orleans Saints, like one thing about the Saints is they've handled Tampa Bay. Other than the playoffs, yes, they game, have. Yep. They've handled Tampa they Bay. Have. And they feel like internally in New Orleans – they're a better, tougher team than the, than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's how they feel. Wow. So, but that's you know that's that that comes with winning games. So, you know, I I understand that aspect of it. So we'll see exactly, um, exactly what happens there. But, um, you know, I I just it always is hard. Like Tom Brady doesn't take a leave of absence unless there's something serious. And so, and I don't. I'm like you said. I'm not going to speculate. I don't know what that is. Um, but. 
you know, life life happens, and that's hard. And so I understand that aspect of it. So, anyhow. Well, we'll see how these next two weeks go for uh, Tampa. And uh, here we go. We're into the preseason. A lot of storylines. And mm. we'll be uh, we'll be here every week to, to break it all down. That's right. We'll cover them all. Uh, hey, for everybody involved in the Sync Truth Podcast, for Mike, I am Mark. We thank you for listening. For Millennial Ben producing the show, we appreciate you. Uh, also, um, for all the great folks over at Bet Rivers, Bet with a Winner, Bet with Bet Rivers, download the app. Check them out at betrivers.com. You can also check out Stinking Good Green Chili. You want to uh, smother a burger, uh, nachos, eggs in the morning, anything. Uh, you're you're going to love it. The Stinking Good Green Chili, also the queso dip. Available online at stinkinggood.com. That's one G, stinkinggood.com. For Mike, for myself, we thank you for listening. We'll be back with you next week.